morning, Journey. Good to see you all this morning. Glad to be here. Glad we can be together. Um, last night I, I went went to sleep, and there was just this this burden, I guess, that I was I was feeling or I was carrying with me. And and I woke up again this morning, and I was I was still feeling it. There was this this unique weight, I guess, that that was on my shoulders, or I could feel it in, in my chest a little bit. And it, and it turns out what it is is it's the sound of all of the grizzly hearts shattering across our state. That's it. That was a funny joke, I admit. Thank you. But seriously, it, it's really fun, though, to have like a game like that that means something to our, our state. And like pretty much, what, every single person here knew what I was talking about. Uh, and, and we just get to do that thing together as Bobcat fans, which most of us uh, should be. We were, we, were probably, we were probably able to see God at work in some really unique ways yesterday. And, and what's, what is also so funny about it is like, we could just keep talking about this. Like this could be, this could be the sermon and it's like the acts of God in the Cat Grizz game. But in fact, we will not allow that to, to be the case. I'm gonna preach a, a real like grown up sermon as well. But afterwards, let's like hang out in the lobby and, and talk about like that timeout or the fumble. You know, okay, we'll do that thing together uh, later. One more year. We got another year of, of, of talking our trash. So let, let that be a, a gift that you steward well. Uh, Today, what we're doing is we're finishing up, well, actually, we're one week away from finishing up a series that we've been in for quite a while that we're calling Upside Down. And the premise of the series is that we've been moving along with the words of Jesus as he sat on the side of a mountain and taught his disciples. It's it's what's commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount. And so we've been paying specific attention to his words. It's it's upside down because Jesus blesses those who we don't think we're going to be blessed. He, He says to go and live this way, and we didn't think it was supposed to happen like that. Everything just continues to flip itself upside down in the kingdom of God. And as, as we've been saying, I don't think this week is going to be any different as we find ourselves in Matthew 7, verses 7 through 12. Jesus is going to keep challenging us. He's going to keep flipping things upside down, and he's going to keep inviting us to follow him into this kingdom. So I'm going to read this for us. And then I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to continue teaching us and guiding us this morning. And, and we'll just see what it is that Jesus has to say to us today. So here's, here's what Jesus says in Matthew 7, 7 through 12, teaching on the side of a mountain. He says this, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Let's pray. God, here we are. We know that you are with us and among us. And so we we welcome you. We invite you by your spirit to teach us this morning. Guide us in becoming more like your son, Jesus. Unite us as a family of God. 
And God, give us ears to hear. Ears to hear and hearts to receive what it is you wanna teach us this morning. Remind us that you love us, that you're with us, that you're for us, that you are good. And then draw us into deeper, more committed intimacy with you. I pray that you would again begin now teaching and shaping and changing and forming us, God. And God, I pray for myself this morning that I wouldn't say anything that's not for you or from you, God. I just wanna honor you. I want our time together to honor you, that we would make much of you, make you known, and we would just receive your love that you give to us and in return love you more. We pray all these things in your son's name, amen. In these verses that we're looking at today, we, we never actually hear the, the language of prayer. Instead, we have more of this concept of communicating with God. We know it as prayer, and that's often what we refer to it as, but it's almost like there's this bigger concept that Jesus is unpacking, this concept of continual communication with God. And upon first looking and reading and listening to these verses in Matthew 7 here, we see a theme of persistence. And and at first, as we see that theme, I want to set us up to look at that a little differently. Scott McKnight cautions us of this. If we're not careful with this theme of persistence, he says, we tend to create a God who seems to either be tired or busy or perhaps even uninterested at all. And that we might need persistence to stir God's attention. So the temptation is to believe that God, in fact, is tired or busy or uninterested in us, which would be not true. God is, in fact, intently aware of us, cares deeply about us, and is ever present with us. We don't need to wake him up, so to speak, but we might need to wake ourselves up. And so as I was just wrestling with uh, our passage for today, I found myself just honestly having a hard time crafting a sermon. I was like, I don't know what to do with this. I, I spent many hours wrestling with the themes of asking and seeking and knocking. I tried to practice them myself and reflect on my past prayer life. I studied and wrote and I read some more. And then I kind of just got to this place where I was simply reminded that God is good. And then it hit me. Oh, wait, I was doing exactly what it is that Jesus was talking about. I was asking and seeking and knocking and in the process of doing that for what I thought was a reason to like insert some knowledge into all of our domes. He was in fact paying attention to my heart and reminding me that he is a God who is good. So along the way, what I found is I found this portion of scripture was actually pushing us to think really hard about what prayer is, to pay attention to that. Because what I also found is that God was reminding me that some of the time when I come to the scriptures, I find a portion rather than a passage. You see, I wasn't able to pass through this passage and tell us what it means. I just couldn't get to that place to put all that together. Instead, what I found is that I was eating portion by portion 
It was a portion of scripture for me rather than a passage this time. And so this morning, what I wanna do is I wanna do my best to give all of us something to chew on as I too ate from this portion of scripture over the last couple weeks. So in order to do that, I'm gonna bring us back to these words of Jesus. And again, you have to envision him teaching his disciples, right? Because we've been moving our way through this for a long time now. And Jesus, he's the one, right? He had been healing and performing miracles. He had a few followers who'd given up everything to go with him. And he climbed up on the side of this mountain and he sat down as teachers do. And his disciples, his learners, his followers sat at his feet. And the crowds pressed in to hear what it is this rabbi had to say. They had heard of his healings or seen them himself. They'd heard of his teachings and they wanted to know more of what it meant to follow this man. And so Jesus directs his teaching at those at his feet. And so envision that, envision Jesus looking his disciples in the eye and telling them this. He says to them, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. And so those words fall on the disciples. And as I was chewing on those words, working to eat them and consume them, I was paying special attention to the three small words in there, ask, seek, and knock. And every time I got to this word ask, I just kept thinking about the reality that's needed in order to ask somebody for something. There has to be an element of trust or belief that the one that you're asking actually has what it is you're looking for. And at the best part of that, there's intimacy, there's connectedness, right? There's this this way in which we're drawn to someone, binded together, if you will, where we feel the freedom to, in fact, ask for what it is that we need. So I kept thinking of that. And then I moved to the word seek. And as I thought about the word seek, I kept thinking of movement or the idea of, of being on the lookout, to to see, to see what it is that God sees, to see the way that God sees, right? Because sometimes maybe we'll just get stagnant and we'll just, we'll stay, stay stationary instead of seeking. Because when we begin to seek, we find something. When we begin to look with new eyes, we begin to see what it is we were looking for. And then I got to the word knock. And that's when I really realized this is a metaphor, because it didn't just mean like go around knocking on doors. I tried that, that, was, that got really awkward really fast. Just, hey, I'm looking for something. And then close the door. That's not really how it happens, right? Like what does he mean? If you're gonna knock, he doesn't actually mean going door to door and knock looking for something, although he might in the context of community. Right? But what he means is to touch something, to try something. To again, get on the move and do something. Like if you think of the picture of a door in front of the place in which what it is you're looking for resides on the other side and you simply ask and seek, you have yet moved to the place of touching and trying and going for it. He says, because when you knock, it'll be opened. So these themes or these pictures in my mind of asking and seeking and knocking, I go, what do I do with that? And it circled back to this question, do we trust that God is good? 
Because the exhortations and promises that Jesus is teaching us here, they're actually anchored in the character of God. Jesus is teaching his disciples. Remember, they're sitting in front of him. He's teaching his disciples that they're to go to God, that they're to ask him and expect him to respond. Why do you think he needs to say that to them? Probably because they're a lot like us and they were wondering if God will in fact even answer their prayers. Will he even care? And so Jesus just wants his disciples so bad to know that God wants to hear from them and God longs to respond to them. God wants to hear from us and God longs to respond to us. And so in order to take that picture home, Jesus goes on to say this. In verse nine, he says, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not, because that would be terribly cruel. Can you imagine if your child was hungry and hey, mom, dad, could I get something to eat and you gave them a snake? Yeah, someone's calling your house. I'll tell you that. Of course not, he says. He says, so if you sinful people, meaning, right, you who are not God, if you can give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? What Jesus is doing is he's anchoring our appeals in God's goodness. He's saying God is good. This is what God is like. Right, because what kind of parent doesn't give good gifts as far as they are able to his or her children? If this is the way that we are as parents, then we think of God as even better than that. Right, because it's what's so crazy about the two little things that Jesus is sharing, right? Like your child asks for bread. What typically does that mean? They're hungry, right? It's a really great request. They're not able to access bread on their own. They need to ask the one who has access to the bread so that they can be fed. What parent would say then, well, here's a rock? None. No parent would do that. As far as they were able to do, they would give them what the child asks for. And then I love the other example because again, Jesus is hilarious even if you don't think he is. He is hilarious because he says, well, when a child asks for a fish, what parent would give them a snake? Which is also a hilarious picture to envision of non-poisonous snakes, right? Like who would do that? Jesus is saying, well, no parent would do that because a parent longs to give good gifts to their child. And if that's true, then the goodness of our heavenly father is so beyond that, even of course he'd want to give good gifts to you. And what's interesting about that is this good gifts idea is also found in Luke. Luke tells this same story, he gives the same account of Jesus talking in what Luke calls the good gift, he calls it the Holy Spirit. So now think about that. The gift that God wants to give to us is his presence. He wants to give us himself. The thing you need, the thing that will fill you, the thing that will make you whole, that's what God wants to give us. 
So then it begs the question, how much do we not have because we don't ask? Because certainly he's reminding them to keep asking. And how often do we not ask because we don't believe that God is good? And yet every day, we see or experience the goodness of parents blessing their children on a good day. That's the picture that Jesus is giving us. What a beautiful, tender picture to remind us of what God is like and why he wants to hear from us. So as I was putting all of those things together, or I guess I was still chewing on them and eating them and trying to figure out what the heck it meant for me. I just was reflecting on the way it seems that the the church, like the capital C church, the, the whole of the church has often leaned into making people feel guilty about their lack of prayer. I know I've felt that at my time and you perhaps have even felt that here before and so I apologize on behalf of Journey if you've ever felt like you've been guilted into praying. And what, the, what happens there is that we thought, the church thought this would actually help motivate people to become more active in prayer. And in, in my experience anyway, it would seem to me that guilt doesn't produce a lifestyle of active prayer. I just don't think that's really how it works. And so here's how we see Jesus doing something totally different. Here's how he is motivating his disciples to pray. Instead of using guilt to motivate, what he's doing is he's casting a compelling vision of the goodness of our God, of our Father. His Father, who he shares with his followers, the same Father. He wants us to know God's love. He wants us to know God's goodness and he wants us to learn then to embrace those attributes of God so that now we would be prompted to pray. That that would be what ushers us into the presence of God, that we cannot resist his love and his goodness, his relationality, his intimacy. From that place, we pray. He is so good. Certainly, I will keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. A.W. Tozer reminds us that genuine prayer is actually about a passion for God and an obsession with entering his presence. That that's where our prayer comes from. God delights in our presence. God delights in sharing his presence with us and he summons us to enter by that pathway, not one of guilt or coercion. And so because God the Father is good, We see something in God in the simplest of kindnesses between parents and their children. That's a reminder of what stirs us to keep asking and seeking and knocking. And after he gives us that picture, he makes an interesting transition. He transitions to verse 12. Here's what he says in verse 12. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Now, as we're making this transition ourselves, you guys know this, right? This is known as the golden rule, right? Do to others what you'd like them to do to you. That's like a a colloquial thing. Well, guess what? Jesus said it. That's where we hear it the most. Jesus introduces that to us here. It's a basic idea. 
But what's actually happening here with the golden rule is this is the essence of all that Jesus has been teaching as he sat on that mountainside. Like he's summarizing all of what he's been teaching. He says, this is in fact, this idea that you would do to others what you wish they would do to you, this is in fact the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. He didn't say, hey, these are the top four commands or hey, here's 400 things to follow. He said, no, the essence of all of that is that you would do to others what you wish they would do to you. Scott McKnight reminds us that this principle is neither selfish nor narcissistic, but rather it's expansive. The idea is that we are to extend our self-care to others, join in together. And the reality of this, of verse 12 right here, is that the difficulty is in the doing, not in the knowing. Like we know what that means. Like I don't have to tell you the Greek. I don't have to bust out some commentaries. We don't have to read articles or blogs. We know what it means to do to others what you wish they would do to you. The challenge is not in the knowing. It's in how is this who we are? How do we become people who do to others what we wish they would do to us? How do we do that? We ask God, the one who gives good gifts, the gift of himself. That's the only way that we can do it. His presence within us, shaping us, forming us, making him like his son Jesus, who's sitting on the mountainside, teaching this very thing is the essence of everything that's ever been taught. We'll revisit that as a theme around receiving communion, but let me put a little bow on the, the prayer process here. You and I now, what we get to do is we get to focus on who God is. He is good. And in doing that, we continue to lay our prayers before that God, the good God, in faith and hope and trust. We believe that that is who he is. And sometimes what this means, if we're honest about it, is that hope lags behind our petitioning prayers. We don't have that hope, but then sometimes it's simply hope that sustains us in praying at all. But what keeps us praying is because we do in fact believe that God is good. Even when everything around us doesn't feel like that, or maybe even when everything around us feels like that is absolutely true, we remind ourselves that God is good. And yet, in prayer, let's just tell the truth. Sometimes it's discouraging. Like sometimes it's really hard to want to pray at all, to even begin asking or seeking or knocking. Like I think it's, it's probably good for us to spend more time just acknowledging that that's true. There's no need to lie about it and pretend it's not true, that it can be a challenging or discouraging experience. Like that's the mystery though that's present in prayer. We can't dissect it all and explain it all away, how it works and what's all happening and why God's intervening here. What, what we know is that we can be honest that sometimes it's discouraging to pray and yet God is still good. And building on the mystery of that truth, 
we should also be spurred on to ask and seek and knock because we believe that God does in fact genuinely interact with us as humans through prayer. We see it all through the scriptures where God invites us to pray and that things in the universe change as a result of our prayers. Isn't that nuts to think about? That things actually change, that God actually listens to us and invites us to join in with him so that something might in fact change. And what I think is crazy about that is sometimes we don't even know how to talk about those experiences because they are in fact so mysterious. But I bet there's plenty of people in here who you said, hey, have you ever prayed for something? Prayed in some way and seen God do something that people go, yeah, I have. And that's when the hope sustains us. And then there'll be people who'll be like, I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and this never happened. And that's when hope lags behind. And we need to hear more stories of when God comes through and sustains us. It's a tricky, tricky thing. And I don't think it's fair to just dissect it all down and brush it off. as like, this is what prayer is like. This is why God answers your prayers and this is why he doesn't. I think what Jesus is saying is keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking because God is good and he wants to be with you. And that's the true gift. And so if you're anything like me, the challenge to simply begin often exists the core of my prayer life. Like how do I even start? this thing? How do I begin asking, seeking, knocking? And what happens when we put this pressure on ourselves about what it means to begin is we simply are paralyzed into doing nothing and so we don't do anything. But we also have this view that the only way in which you can begin praying is that if you would just set aside some time in the morning, like right when you wake up, maybe 10, 15 minutes, that like that's the only way that prayer can take place as well. And now while I would agree that there's probably something super meaningful about setting aside specific time to be still in the presence of God, there's also the reality that prayer is the way we live. It's an ongoing lifestyle. We're in constant communion with God. And that's what I love about this idea that Jesus doesn't even say prayer here. He just says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Like just talk with God always because he's always with you and you're always praying everywhere you move, everywhere you go. And so it's both and. And I want to tell you that to free you up to to just pay attention to the fact that you probably already were praying. You probably already were asking and seeking and knocking. But because we've all gathered here on a Sunday, and what they call a church service, I figured it would be a good time to just set aside a space for us to begin. It's often how we conclude our time of preaching, but I just wanna give you some specific time to begin asking, seeking, and knocking. And maybe the first thing you can do here in a moment is I let you have that space and I'd be quiet for real, is just to put your hands, palms up on your legs and just receive the goodness of God. Receive that he is good. Be reminded of all that is good from God in your life. And then from there, perhaps his spirit will spur you on to ask and seek and knock. But be okay knowing that you're just there with him, sitting in the goodness of an intimate God who loves you more than any parent could ever love their child. So let's go ahead and take that time. I'll close us with communion here in a few moments. So 
Whatever you need to do, go ahead and do that now. God, as we are still in this moment right now, we're reminded that you're good. Pray that we would receive that truth, that you are good. It doesn't mean that the circumstances around our lives, God, are in turmoil or there aren't challenges it's not pain or suffering but we know that you are good for you are with us we see it in the life of your son Jesus we thank you for the example that he's given us as he walked the earth and healing and restoration and life followed him everywhere we thank you for your son Jesus whose love compelled him to be crucified so that we would be forgiven, made whole. But you are also good, God, because Jesus did not stay dead. The power of your Holy Spirit raised him to new life. That's the same spirit that lives in us. And so God, now we know that we are resurrection people. You are good for you are with us. You've resurrected us. You've given us new life. I pray that we would receive that and remember that. And then I pray that we would follow the instructions of Jesus' words to keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking. For you are a God who is good and you long to hear us and you long to respond. Thank you for that, God. We love you in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net. Thanks.